Hello and welcome to this bonus episode of Breaching Extinction. I had the pleasure of chatting with Erica and Christy of the Ocean Lovers podcast about their podcast and um, things to do with this podcast as well, but they were such a pleasure to talk to. I highly recommend um, checking out their podcast if you guys are curious about more ocean-related topics. Hope you guys enjoy this. Welcome back to the Ocean Lovers Podcast. I'm Kirsty, And my name is Erica. And if you're new here, hello, welcome. If, you, um, if you're not new here... Welcome uh, back. <laughs> <laughs> welcome back. Uh, Mondays, we release episodes with a guest. So today we have a really special guest. Her name is Erica Wirth. Yes, and, and we're, we're so excited. We're very she excited. She actually has her own podcast called Breaching Extinction. If you guys haven't listened to it already, definitely check it out. But we're really excited to have you, Erica. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Yes. Of how are, how are you doing with um the whole, you know, quarantine and Oh, you know, you know, doing all right. I have <laughs> yeah. a job as a marine naturalist which is currently out of commission, but I was nannying on the side. So luckily I can do that full time. Oh, that's oh, good. You know, good for yes. for paying bills, but also good for like, you know, not being stuck in my house so that's yes staying positive. busy yeah <laughs> I know I feel the same way I'm a preschool teacher so right now I'm just like so thankful that I can actually get out of the house every day and go to work and then come home yeah especially since my husband's working from home I'm like you know it's kind of nice to get out of the house yeah, yeah. keep a little bit of normalcy <laughs> I work yeah, I work a as a marine bit. naturalist as well but I've been out of work since mid-March so I don't have any side gigs unfortunately yeah so I'm just trying but to hang you in are there. making a super cool um orca sweater <laughs> oh, yeah. um, I've been doing lots of talks and crafts that. <laughs> that's awesome I listened to your podcast with oh what was his name that naturalist was it Roy Rich or Rich Rich, Rich, okay. Rich Dolan yeah Rich Dolan? yes so is this sweater for an orca or of an orca <laughs> Because the way if it you was for, it, it could be either. Oh, that's so funny. If it was for an orca, it would take me an extremely long time. <laughs> um, no, it's awesome. for, I don't know. I just started it um, just out of boredom and didn't really realize how long it was going to take me. But I've spent like literally hundreds of hours crocheting this sweater. That's so awesome. I'm hoping it turns out. But um, so I'm so excited to oh, talk to you, Erica. But yeah. before we get too far, before we start asking you about yourself um we want to do our little icebreaker that we like to do with our guests so we're just gonna (laughs) do kind of a rapid fire round just ask you a couple of questions you don't have to think too hard about your answers just whatever pops into your mind first so are you down yeah a little icebreaker okay cool so just to start out what is a fun fact about yourself um I know that's kind of a tough one. <laughs> that's a tough one. Um, I used to box. Oh, oh, hey, that's actually really cool. That's fun. That's fun. That's such a good workout and it really a good is. mental release too. Yeah, oh, that's really cool for sure. Oh, awesome. Um, how about what is your favorite place that you've ever traveled to or want to travel to? Um, hands down, Tanzania. Oh, wow. Oh. Yes. Do you want to yeah. do you want to tell us a little bit about that? I'm sure. Intrigued. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so when I was in college, I studied abroad with a school for field studies in Tanzania with their wildlife management and policy program. Oh, um, wow. But I like obviously I'm an ocean lover. That's the, the course that my life has taken. Mm-hmm. Um, but I 
when I had applied, I knew that I wanted to to study those things. And also I was like, when will I ever get to go to Africa? I guess now's the time. And I got really fortunate to get scholarships and grants. So I went over there and it was, it was life-changing to say the least. Oh, that's amazing. Study abroad. Like there's nothing more valuable. I think it's like such a formative time in your life too. Like I was so lucky to study abroad in Australia and I just feel like if people have the chance to, it's so, it is life-changing. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, to see the way that other people live, like different cultures, mm-hmm. different environments, it mm-hmm. definitely, it changes who you are and it's good for your soul, honestly. It definitely is. It broadens your horizons and mm-hmm. yeah, shows you a whole new world. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, all right. Awesome. So one more question. What marine animal best describes your personality and why? A, a killer whale, yeah. Um, oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're dolphins, and, like, dolphins are very lovable, but they're also um, kind of jerks sometimes, and, like, I think that <laughs> they way. They yeah. Um, oh, that's so funny. Yeah, like, they're, you know, they're matriarchal um, animals. Mm-hmm. They, they occur in matriarchal groups, and I'm very much, like, pro-women and, like, mm-hmm. you know, women in leadership. That's kind of, like, one of my things, but you know, they're, they're tied to their family groups. And I like to think of myself as an apex predator sometimes. Um, oh my but, gosh. I love that. Yes. So I would say killer whale. That's so perfect. <laughs> love it. Yes. That's so cool. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. We love doing these questions because it just makes us feel like we know you a little bit better before we, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Before we dive right in. For sure. Yes. And so when we have guests on our podcast, we kind of just like to hand it over to them. We just want to know about your life so we want to get to know you better we want to know (laughs) what you do maybe where you grew up and how you became an ocean lover maybe how you got into the field and maybe tell us about some of the projects that you work on and we obviously want to hear about your podcast so yeah I'll just kind of (laughs) hand it over to you tell us a little bit about yourself okay um so like all marine biologists I came from um a square state in the middle of the country so I oh my gosh that's a theme on our podcast (laughs) yeah um so I grew up in Ohio um oh my gosh yeah and I've moved around a lot um but I kind of I got my start in this field at the age of 14 so I had always had a passion for animals and um I knew that that's like what I wanted to do that was my goal and so when I was in high school, I started volunteering at a local zoo, which is where I started to get my environmental education experience. I volunteered at a variety of animal shelters. um, And then um, my zoo actually sponsored me when I was 16 years old to um, go to Churchill, Manitoba, Canada to go study polar bears. Um, Oh my gosh. And I remember like we had this week of talking to scientists and going out into the field and all of these really amazing experiences. And I remember we're in this tundra buggy and this polar bear starts walking up to us. Mm. She puts her hands on the side of this vehicle. And like, there's probably (gasps) four feet between me and this bear. And I'm just looking her in the eyes. I'm crying, obviously. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. That's so Yeah. And it was that moment. I was like, yup, this is, this is where my life is going. Like, this is what I'm doing. Um, And so. Was there any fear in that moment? No. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah. I I can't think of a time where I've ever really feared an animal. I mean, there was one time I had a cow try to charge me and like that was scary. <laughs> but for obvious reasons. Oh yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was really formative and amazing. So I went so I moved to Texas um my senior year of high school. 
Um, and then I went on to college um, at Eckerd College, which is in St. Petersburg, Florida, where I got a degree in environmental studies and psychology. Um, oh, but while cool. I was there, I participated in a variety of um, research programs. So I did I did four research projects while I was at Eckerd. I studied um, bush babies, baboons, mangroves, and dolphins. Um, and then after I graduated, I went on to um, do an internship with Moat Marine Lab in Sarasota, where I did. That's, oh my gosh, cool. Yeah, that's oh, like where I got okay. all my dolphin studying skills. So basically, my background Aww. is um, in education and research. And like I have now mm-hmm. been in this field for the last 10 years, which is kind of crazy um, to think back on that. Um, but yeah, I've always had a passion for animals. And like, you know, I thought that I was going to go down this road after going to Africa that I was going to study um, African animals, but I, I continue mm-hmm. to get called back to marine mammals every single time. And like, that's clearly Aww. my path. So that's what we're on right now. Um, but I'm just, you know, based on my life experiences and like what I've seen through research and education, and I've lived in seven states. I've, you know, when I was in college, I traveled to, I, I studied abroad literally five times um, because oh my gosh. yeah, I was super fortunate. My school really pushed it. And um there were a lot of scholarships available, which was important for me because, you know, I don't come from money. I grew up poor and in a square state. And so one of my other drivers is making environmental education accessible because I was excluded mm-hmm. from so many opportunities. I also like pushed my way through into a lot of opportunities, which is why I'm kind of where mm-hmm. I am now. So I'm very fortunate, but I want to make it easier for other people to to be able to access information to the environment and access right. these spaces. Um, so yeah, that's kind of like how I got into this field. And, um, so after I went to Moat, I did AmeriCorps for a little while because I wanted to understand, um, wildlife management from a non-academic perspective from like actually being in the field. Mm -hmm. And then I took a trip up to the San Juans after that had ended because I wanted to see killer whales. I've always loved them. And I was like, this is what I'm doing. Like, so I just went to go see them and, I fell in love with it. And I also noticed that there was something different going on up there, that their whale watching practices Uh were very respectful compared to Mm -hmm. what I had seen Mm -hmm. in Florida, um, because Mm -hmm. there were there were boats, wreck boats and like um, ecotourism boats and whatnot that would just drive over dolphins, like all all crazy (gasps) stuff like like they don't mean to. It's obviously they're not like chasing dolphins, but they just don't notice. Yeah. Um, and so yeah. I saw it was different in the San Juans and I was like, cool, I want to understand that perspective. So I worked on, um, a whale watch boat off of Orcas Island last summer, um, which naturally that's where I, I fell in love with the orcas and, you know, the wildlife up there and saw the Southern resident killer whales, which is the focus of my podcast. Um, and mm-hmm. that was kind of what. There's a lot of issues regarding that. There's there's a lot of institutions involved, people, all kinds of stuff. So mm-hmm. I wanted to better understand it, which is why I started the podcast. It was like my own curiosity. Um, it has since kind of morphed yeah. into something else. Um, I This originally was going to be like a 12-episode project, and it's we're getting ready to release, I think, episode 29 this week, something like that. That's oh, awesome. wow. Yeah. Congrats. That's so cool. Um But yeah, I just wanted to understand them. And now it's kind of turning into, it's a big puzzle, right? Of how do you, how Mm. do you save a species? And there's so many facets Mm -hmm. involved, like economics, social issues, dams, people, jobs, whales, um, urchins, like seals, all kinds of stuff. So it's kind of turned into 
figuring out all the pieces of that puzzle, how they play out and like what we need to do to, to make sure that everybody survives coming out of this. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. That's amazing. I love that. um, There's more people out there with um, podcasts that are trying to spread this awareness, because if you really look, there's not too many podcasts out there. And, you know, we kind of talked about that briefly before we started Mm -hmm. recording is that, there's not too many even women doing podcasts talking about the environment and let alone ocean life. So I feel like it's really cool that we can connect and be able to talk about this, especially the um, Southern residents and to kind of bring awareness to those too. And I also want to point out that we've mentioned this in our earlier episodes where you mentioned that it was harder for you to, um, uh, start your education because you came from more of the um you were more poor and things like that and we always love to tell people it's it's never impossible to do something so i really like that you brought that up because we mentioned it before that it's awesome that we are trying to motivate people to where if they think that they can't go into this field it's never impossible and they really can it's if you want to go into it 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 is never impossible is it hard it's hard for for like mm-hmm. you know the, even yes. the most privileged person to do it let alone if you have anything standing well, oh, in your yeah. way is it worth it 100% you know um mm-hmm. it is doable I think we need to like as a community make it easier for more people to get in this field because the world only benefits from having more people that love the ocean and want to share that message and right. want to better mm-hmm. understand it so yeah like you know, and I think it's realistic to let people know that um, they're definitely when they start to get into this field, they're probably going to be told that they can't or that they're not smart enough or whatever. And it's just really important to not listen to all mm-hmm. that because that's that's just fake news at yeah. this point. Mm-hmm. Yes, it really is. I agree. Yeah. And I feel like especially it's- as women, I feel like we've been told that multiple times. I know I personally have. I felt yeah. because I'm a woman that I can't be a scientist mm-hmm. or study whales I I heard that all through high school and yeah you just kind of have to tune out all of that if you really are determined um, Mm -hmm. to to be in this field um yeah that's so cool I'm so happy that we get to connect with you I feel like we we have a lot in common (laughs) yeah me too Um, definitely a lot of the same interests Mm -hmm. so that's really cool um so yeah so tell us a little bit about how the podcast did come to be um, so I, I'd been thinking about starting a podcast for like the last year or so. And it was, it was kind of with the same goal of like, um, addressing like different environmental issues or like studying things, having conversations with people in the field to like, get more information out there, make, um, certain jobs, like people aware that there are jobs that exist out there that maybe they didn't think of or make them aware of mm-hmm. issues. Um, and then I encountered the Southern resident killer whales and I was like, okay, this could be a good place to start. Um, And I was listening to a different podcast where someone was interviewing the guy who runs Patagonia. And he basically, he, he just said, he was like, Oh, like sometimes you just have to to start. Cause I'm somebody that like, I need a plan. I was like, I was raised in a military Mm -hmm. family. Mm -hmm. I went to a highly competitive (laughs) school. Like I need a plan. I'm a scientist. Like we, we have to have it all Mm -hmm. right now. And I was like, okay, no, we're just gonna we're just gonna go for it and see what happens. So I just started talking mm-hmm. to people um, and recording it and reaching out and like you know reading different 
um, like bits of this, but the more that I've done it, the more I connect with people and see that this is, this is so much bigger than I ever thought that it was. And so I am essentially mm-hmm. trying to um, get the people who are, who are the leaders to interact with one each of one another. Cause we, we have all the pieces of the puzzle. We just need to put mm-hmm. it together, um, but also mm-hmm. share that journey yeah. with other people so that they can, they understand all like, there's so much that goes into an endangered species. Like, you know, the biggest thing, which I'm sure we'll get into for the Southern residents right now is that they have a lack of prey and there are some dams that need to go down Mm -hmm. to open that up. However, there are, there are economics and there are communities around those dams that are also affected. So it's not just Mm -hmm. like, it's not just take the dams down. Like it's highly complex. Like there's not one solution to the problem. It's a whole bunch of little solutions that need to work together. Um, so who you said you're about to release 29 episodes and I've listened to, I think a handful of them, maybe like five, but I definitely want to go back and listen to all of them because I kind of want to hijack some of your guests. Do go for it. <laughs> you, I know you guys said but, you wanted to talk to a drone person. I like Jordan yeah. is excellent for that. Cause yes. he's a, a scientist with Cascadia. So he's got that scientific perspective and he's also really motivated to make sure that people are doing like their best boating practices. Oh, that's really cool. Wow. I just wrote oh, that down. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, who do you think has been, do you have a favorite guest that you've had on the podcast? Um, I, you know, there, I love them all. Um, but there, yeah. there definitely have been some that are, are more motivating than others. Um, Jordan Lerma was one of those. Cause he's also one of those people that like, he came from a finance background and then he just jumped into, oh. into this field mm-hmm. and like, he just did it. And I was like, cool. Wow. I like your attitude. I yeah. like your style. Like, mm-hmm. so he was an influence of mine. And then um, Gloria Pancrazy, um, like Snow and Sai from PNW Protectors. And then I just talked to Joe Gatos and like, that was amazing. I've also like, I loved Gay Bradshaw and Lori Marino. Yeah, those, those mm. are probably some of like, I love everybody that comes on, but the, like, those were some really um, standout, like standout conversations. Moments. But a lot of the conversations, like, you know how it goes, you you have a little conversation before after the recording and it's like sometimes those are the conversations yeah. that are that are most impactful right mm. so, yeah oh yeah. that's amazing mm-hmm. that's awesome do you have any like dream guest that you would like to have on the podcast that you haven't had yet um i mean obviously i want ken Balcombe because he's like the og orca oh, my gosh person. yes um but he <laughs> i like he's busy and i did email him i'm honestly a little bit embarrassed that this project has gone so far without me talking to him like i literally just emailed him last week um so i hope he's not <laughs> oh. insulted um but I, there were, there was somewhere I did want to talk to, um, a famous Nat Geo photographer, but I have recently found out from other Ooh. people who work in this field that, um, he doesn't really do that kind of thing and that he's kind of not really interested in, in the Southern residents. So I'm a little bummed to hear about oh. it. Like, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of egos and complications that go into things. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's true. And it, it can be uh, like a little bit controversial depending on your stance on certain topics but maybe he just doesn't want to get into it um when I was listening to your podcast I thought of Alexandria Morton would be like an ideal guest for your podcast she works she used to study the southern resident I'm not Alexandria Morton so she first of all she's like the biggest inspiration in the world she's a writer um but also she was one of the pioneers of orca research um she used to intern at orca lab and then 
she kind of went out on her own, became a, um, a researcher. She had some trauma in her life. Her husband was a diver and I think a Nat Geo photographer and videographer. He got the first footage ever of the orca that go up mm-hmm. onto the beach and like rub their bellies yeah. on the pebbles. Do you know? Yeah. He was the first to record that underwater and he ended up drowning in that area. Um, and so she had to kind of carry on with her life um, solo. Oh, wow. And she actually went from studying orca to kind of tackling the salmon mm-hmm. issue. And now she's a huge advocate for salmon restoration yeah. and salmon farms and she would be a really good guest, I think, to look into if, yeah, if you were I think looking for anybody. Yeah, I mean, I'm always open to stuff. And I have, I actually have a whole list now of, of people that other people have sent me that they want to hear from. So I definitely want to add her. Oh. But I, know, um, I do have a co-host because I have, like, w- it's on a hiatus right now. But um, we have, like, little porpoisodes, which are, like, mini-sodes that cover um just like random like light-hearted things um because talking about yeah endangered oh species, i saw that yeah. it can be hard um but my co-host mm. ellie sawyer she is a big fan of alexandria and like i'm now i'm remembering who this person is because ellie speaks so highly of mm-hmm. her yes Aww. when i read her book it it's called listening to whales she has a few but the one i read was listening to whales and it like changed my trajectory of my life yeah. <laughs> yeah so I think I oh my gosh if I if we could get her on our podcast that would be yeah <laughs> let's do it a I know dream. we need to start making a list because yeah. we've had a couple people we've talked to but it's just a matter of like scheduling it and getting them on and we, yeah. we need to do that yeah <laughs> and I think with our podcast too I feel like we're on episode this is episode what 15 oh my gosh we didn't even say it <laughs> <laughs> that's okay I just realized that that's okay but I think it's episode 15 and Four- I think I- we're 14 anyway uh, we're still kind uh. of getting our footing and I think we're still honestly trying to figure out what directions we want to go um yeah we just started our deep dive series where we kind of like go in topic about a particular mm-hmm. marine animal so we want it to be like educational but I definitely mm-hmm. am taking inspiration from all of the different ocean related podcasts around yeah and yours especially um I don't know I really love how you are going about this trying to solve this well not solve but you know like gather information about this really complicated topic but it is really inspiring and I think you're doing such a good job with it I appreciate that that's super super kind and I'm, I'm here to help if you guys need help but I that definitely it took me probably about 15 episodes to get my footing and then you know, the trajectory mm. kind of changes once you, once you figure yeah. out kind of how to do mm-hmm. it, it yeah. helps. but yeah, I, I definitely appreciate that. I'm glad you guys enjoy it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I did want to go back to, you said that you are mm-hmm. a naturalist on a whale watch. How did you get into that? Cause I, we, on a cu- couple of previous episodes, we've kind of talked about how we, how I became a naturalist, how, do you know Adam Ernster? I, I do know Adam Ernster. Did you work <laughs> with him on Orcas Island at all? Yep. Oh my gosh, that's so funny oh, wow. because when you said that you worked on Orcas Island last year, I was like, oh, I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. Adam worked on Orcas Island last year. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Um, yeah, but um, yeah, tell us a little bit about how you got into the whale watching um, industry. So it was really that trip up to San Juan. So I've always thought that education obviously is crucial because so many people just don't know um, and so many people want to know um, if they have that opportunity. But I also was uncomfortable with what I saw in Florida with the dolphin boats. Um, And Mm -hmm. I just 
from a scientific perspective, from a personal perspective, I just was not good. And so after going up there and seeing how they did it, I was like, I want to better understand that because ultimately like my goals in life are to make changes in the environment and like spread education and like do this like through advocacy and science. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I'm going to go figure out what they're doing up there and why does that work? Does it actually work? Et cetera. So I did that and I like, obviously I love it. I love being on the water. Um, But I ended up, I now live in Monterey because yeah. Oh, okay. Yes, you I do? do. Um, I just moved oh here in gosh. January for this job. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. So oh, cool. I want to move down there. We're hoping to move oh down there. Oh my gosh. This yeah. Year, so I, I love it. It's a great place to live, but I like, I'm lucky oh. to work for a really good company and I, I have a really good job here. Um, but I kind of was like, okay, yeah. like I need to continue developing um, like I want to see how, how other parts of the world do it. So I've seen Florida, I've seen Washington. I want to see how California does it also, um, realistically speaking, like there are like to get into research, it's, it's highly competitive. It, there's a huge financial burden that, that mm-hmm. falls onto you. And if you don't have that external support, it's, it can be nearly impossible. So working in the whale watching industry gives me the financial flexibility to save up, to go back into yes. research at a later point. I kind of am totally on the same page Mm -hmm. as you are. Um, I love the whale watching industry for that reason as well. It's like I still get to um, spread awareness, educate, and also be on the water with these like magnificent animals. Yet I want to be able to branch off and go do a research project here or there um, and contribute in that way. So that's really cool that we kind of – have the same sort of like yeah aspirations it's it's good yeah we get to connect and like see how other people do it Mm -hmm. yeah that's so cool so what has been so you've you've done some whale watching in Mm -hmm. multiple places what do you have like a best experience that you can Um, think of oh like a best whale encounter easily hands down yes I was with like one of my favorite captains um Andrew Harpster and we always like him and I when we are on a boat together the energy is just there and we always have like really awesome sightings and so yes there's nothing like that like totally vibing with your captain and crew and just like having the best time ever yeah like it's so fun where he'd be like oh like we only have reports of humpbacks and like the humpbacks don't do anything up in Washington they just surface he's like (laughs) like there'll be days like that and then we'll just like find stuff like so but yeah there was Mm -hmm. one day it was we were off of Waldron Island which is right next to Orcas Island to the left of it and and, or like um northwest of it but um he there were it was the T36As, which is like my all-time favorite pot of orcas. It's a transient group, and it's a mom and three babies, and they were hunting and like thrashing things oh. and throwing stuff around, and like it oh, was wow. great. Oh wow! Um, and the funny thing about Waldron Island, it's like this private island where a bunch of hippies live, and like they're like they're just doing their thing. So like we're watching the whales, and they're like yelling at us to go away. It. It's just like adding to it. Oh, yeah. oh my gosh! Um, but. So they start, like, we're, we're about to leave because, uh, you know, obviously we have a time limit on our tour. So we're, we're about to head back in and the group starts approaching us. And so Andrew pulls his motors up out of the oh water. We're just chilling there. And T36A2 swam literally right, like, underneath where I was standing on the boat. I have oh a video gosh. I can send it to you guys. 
Um, and yeah, <gasps> yes, so that was please. my most impactful, like that was my best whale day. And I've, you know, I've, for like the last couple of years, I was talking about getting like a half sleeve whale tattoo. And like, after that experience, I was like, <laughs> those are the whales. And so I have the T36As yeah. on, like tattooed <gasps> on my right Oh my arm. gosh. I do. You do? That's so funny. I've got oh like a God. little half, oh, not quite a half sleeve going, but I've got an orca and a humpback nice. tattoo on my arm too. Yeah. <laughs> we're like whale exactly sisters, soul sisters. Sisters. it's orca fam that's, that's so what, awesome. like the people that are like a lot of the leaders in this they, they're like we're an orca family like orca sister you know yes we're exactly. in the same pod <laughs> oh that's so cool i love oh that God, so, so much i love it we're definitely gonna so have I to kind of... oh sorry oh, go for it no go on no, nope. I was, you go I was just gonna say we're definitely gonna have to connect sometime like yeah you guys in real are in life. Yes. right <laughs> no we have to I'm in, I'm down okay. in Long Beach right now. Cool. That's where I'm quarantining. Um, I work in Newport Beach when, mm-hmm. you know, things are up and running. And then, Kirsty, you are? I'm in Modesto right now, but we're hoping to please, move to Monterey please. sometime this year. Hoping. We could hang out. I need more whale friends. <laughs> yes, oh my gosh, like, oh, it's it the best ever. Just sitting and really talking is. about whales. Yeah, I think it's my like, roommate is so sick of me to talk about the whales already. Oh, that's so funny. I know. That's why we need each other. (laughs) Yeah. Get it all out. That's kind of why Erica and I started this podcast is because, you know, I'm not like, because I've been wanting to move to Monterey for a while now, but my husband and I live here in Modesto and he, I mean, bless his heart. He listens to me anytime I talk about it or (laughs) if I give him my weird whale facts or ocean facts and tell him like this weird stuff, but it's funny because Erica and I connected because she was in Monterey at the time and I was trying to do an internship nice. on a boat that she was working on. And it just so happened that we, I reached out to her on Instagram. We met during a photography nice. workshop on that boat. And then we've kind of talked ever since. And then it wasn't until I think, was it December or January? We were talking about it, Erica. Yeah. When we I think I was still in North Dakota. So I went, yeah, yeah. So that was, it had to have been in like, December I think it November. was December I think it was December where you kind of brought it up and then it wasn't until I think January-ish to where we're like okay we can maybe do this let's just, and yeah, it's been fun we were like let's we just, just like, get to chat let's just do some designated yes. ocean chat time and <laughs> yeah. record it and see what happens yep <laughs> that's kind of where it all started so that's what I mean about trying to figure out now like how do we make a difference and how do we like yeah I love moves. that <laughs> like make Girl, the world a better yeah, place yeah. there's, there's yeah. a lot of people I think in this field and I'm I'm sure that I'm gonna get shit for saying this but like there's a lot of people in this field that are a little bit more concerned with their egos and like upping themselves as opposed to staying connected to the mission and so mm-hmm. like if you have a podcast or you have an Instagram account or you have something where people follow you I personally feel that it is your responsibility to make sure that those people have accurate facts about whatever you're talking mm-hmm. about you know and if it is an opinion-based podcast, oh, yeah. just when state I- that. Be like, hey, this is like this is what we're doing, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's so important to use your platform to make sure that like you that we have the whales to talk about. I feel like it's so wrong to to talk about the whales or to take pictures of the whales and then not try to protect them, like when they, that's what they need. Right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I agree. And something, maybe you have an opinion on this. I'd be interested just to chat about this for a second. I had this thought in my head yesterday about whale watching vessels in general. And I was just thinking how with all these like reduced group 
sizes and we don't really know how long that's going to be going on for. I really big boats and really small boats. Do you have a preference? Um, I personally feel like whale watching is so much more fun on a small fast Mm -hmm. boat. But at the same time, these big boats that bring out, you know, like 100 people at a time, that's 100 people that I have the opportunity to educate. And it's one boat out on the water rather than like 50 small fast boats carrying, um, you know, like just a few people at a time. Mm -hmm. What's making the more of an impact on them is it 50 small boats Um, or is it one so I think this is like a really important time where we we turn to the science and like I don't have that data right in front of me based on my own Mm -hmm. research experience and my personal experience on the water um I know that what's most important is the number of boats that are around the whales the speed that they're going because speed ultimately impacts noise pollution more so Mm -hmm. than anything else and given that these animals locate they rely more heavily on their, their senses that are not visual, like auditory is huge. Um, so mm-hmm. that, that's a big issue. So I think it's more so a matter of the number of boats and like the, the amount of noise pollution that comes out of them. Also, I mean, there is that impact of like um, motors and like, you know, I, I think that the jet like fueled boats or the jet like propellers those are the best Mm -hmm. ones because obviously we don't have that risk of hitting the animal Mm -hmm. Um, but I think that we do need to as Mm -hmm. far as best boating practices like that that's a big issue and that's something I'm very passionate about I really would like to see in the whale watching industry um captains and people in these companies trained on science and like animal behavior because while they are out on the water with these animals I think that there needs to be some kind of scientific certification of like this is baseline good behavior because ultimately, you know, mm-hmm. the behavior that you see may be baseline good for, or like baseline what you think is normal, but like boats do impact whale yeah. behavior. They just do. And so you're not the, the way mm-hmm. that researchers are able to conduct their, their research is that they've figured out how these animals are affected by boats. They've minimized that. And then they go out and collect data in a way where they are not impacting these animals in the same way. So I think this is where we turn to science Mm -hmm. and we talk to our scientists and our politicians and come up with best practices on like how many boats need to be in the water, like how fast can they go, what kind of boats. And then also Mm -hmm. you can consider like, what does your boat run on? Is it biodiesel? Is it gas? Like what kind of propellers do you Mm -hmm. have? So I think that we do need to be mindful in all these things. And I think these are like, these can be tough conversations, especially if you work for a company that maybe. Um, isn't considering all of this or like doesn't have that sort of mindset but I think it is important because like at the end of the day we are capitalizing on these whales like that is our livelihood we mm-hmm. like and if you look at it just mm-hmm. from a business standpoint we need to have them around in order to sustain but also like ethically speaking we, we should be protecting these animals so I think it just there's a lot of facets to yeah. weigh on that one Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, My main goal, um, career-wise anyway, is I would love to get my captain's license Mm -hmm. eventually. And I wanted to do it this year on this track. I'm not sure if that's going to happen. But I I want to do that because I want to be the one making the decisions on how we interact around the animals and and how we are following the proper um procedures and um guidelines and regulations and all that and i don't know i i want that to be 
I want to have that responsibility yes. because I know that I will do it um, for the yes. animals. I don't know. I don't know how to put that, but I just, I want to, I want to be the one that's, that's doing that. You want to set the example. I think that's badass. Yeah, exactly. I think you should do it. Yeah. I think you guys should move to Bonneray and we should start like a women's <laughs> watching company. <laughs> Oh I'm my down. gosh, I love that. And there are there <gasps> are women-owned watch companies there in are. Monterey, yeah. actually. Um, and I do think that that is so mm. badass. I, I've said it before, um, Blue Ocean Whale Watch out of Moss Landing. I mean, oh, Kate, I yeah. think that's, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's such a great company and Kate is amazing. And I think there, do, there definitely does need to be more women-owned whale watching. Like it's, it's not that yes. common, actually. Yeah. And cool, let's make it the norm. Yeah, and then nope. set the standard. I mean, I and agree. also like, you know, you could do that. You could have your whale watching company, but also like there are already institutions like Soundwatch up in Washington where mm-hmm. they were able to educate voters too on like safe practices, and that's something you could implement as well. And that that makes a huge difference because oh, wow. what they found that's, in their studies yeah. is that. If they go out and they educate people on the water, it's most of the time people just don't know. Like, and like occasionally yeah. there are those assholes that are just going to, they're like, you know, yeehaw, I love America. I'm going to do what I want. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, we see that. We see that <laughs> too yeah. often. But like most, most people just don't know. And so that they're willing to make changes. They just are not aware. So mm-hmm. like something we can do. Yeah. Yeah. Are you familiar? I don't even know if this exists or how this would go in this industry, but I, I've briefly talked about before when I went down to Mexico and um, got to snorkel with mm-hmm. whale sharks. They have a designated organization that's basically policing. And I don't know if policing enforcing. is necessarily the right word. That's mm-hmm. enforcing. Yeah. Just monitoring and making sure that um, everybody's following the rules basically they don't want to overwhelm or impact the whale sharks too much because they are highly endangered does something like that exist with whale watching yet other than like coast Um, guard monitoring do you know that's what Soundwatch does oh that's what that is okay so they are actively yes they're not enforcement necessarily but they're actively on the water and but it's also like in the san juans the enforcement isn't needed as much because it really was a community initiative where they came together Mm. um but mm-hmm. that's a huge thing is like, I mean, while they are not actually like out there ticketing people, they, they do, they are holding people accountable just by their presence. And like, that's a big thing. And yeah. so yeah. We, we need that because, you yeah. know, here's the thing. And like, what I've noticed with California whale watching um, is that like, you know, there's like, I mean, it's not like, obviously it's, it's way different out here, but like, there's, there's definitely no enforcement out here. And I think that there could be better boating practices if mm-hmm. there were, or if somebody was studying it. again, I think people just don't know. I think for the most part, we should assume good intentions, but like I have mm-hmm. seen like, and yeah. I really haven't mixed feelings about social media because it is a powerful tool when used in the right way. But I have seen that there are people who work on whale watch, bo- whale, wo- uh, whale watch boats. Words are hard. Hello. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> do things that are illegal and then post videos of it and then like that's the norm oh, and there's a bunch of likes and comments and like things like that uh, like yeah because then that's just that's just showing um that's showing people that again they don't know people if you have a large following on social media that they yeah, see these and they things and then normal. they go oh i want to go yeah. on this whale watching boat and, and then they just normal. don't know like i saw a video last week some guy had like several uh, like a hundred thousand followers or something and like 
someone on like it was like a drone video and like somebody on a boat was like literally like trying to touch a killer whale and they were way too close like marine mammal protection act says (gasps) 400 feet i know in washington whale watch boats can get to 200 feet i'm not sure what the regulations are here um and like there were tons of comments and stuff i think the video got taken down ultimately because it's illegal and i don't bring this this up to shame anyone or to call anyone out like i genuinely do feel that most people have their best interests at at heart but they also need to be mindful that even if like even if their propellers were out of the water and technically they were following the guidelines their viewers don't necessarily know all that so like maybe even if you are going to post that like and you, mm-hmm. you may have been within the guidelines because the whales were moving around because that can be a thing, too, is, like, if you don't know where they are, sometimes it's better just to pull your props up and then not hit them or not whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's just sad to see people yeah. not utilize their platforms to to help the whales. or But they, they contribute to the problem mm-hmm. as opposed to helping. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And like you said, too, we have that responsibility to share and to give everybody the facts about all of it and to share the right information. So in those type of videos, maybe it would be best for people, especially if they are working on the whale watch boats to in that post, even clarify to people, you know, um, the mm-hmm. wherever they're from post the regulations and erica i think we we actually talked about that in an episode i'm not sure if it was if it was with adam but how maybe more places should kind of state their regulations like two people that are going whale watching that way they know mm-hmm. oh okay here you know they do have to follow these because then it shows that it shows i feel like from a customer perspective it would show me that that company would have mm-hmm. more respect and it would make me want to go out there on that company, on that whale watch boat again, or spread, um, uh, you know, talk to more people about say, oh, you know what? I went whale watching. I went on this boat. They were actually really respectful. They were really nice. I mean, social media and just word of mouth goes a long way. So I feel like it's important for people to start, like you said, just really give people the right information and right facts about these regulations and, and what they need to do. So people aren't going on these boats thinking that they can get super close to an animal and reach out and try to touch it. Like you said. Yeah, I agree. Um, And then that kind of sets up realistic expectations too, because people see humpbacks like breaching Mm -hmm. out of the water. Yeah. Like, Oh my God, why didn't it breach? Mm -hmm. Um, Why why is it doing anything? (laughs) I mean, yeah, there's, my coworker Delaney. Instagram is amazing. (laughs) Oh my God. It's the best ever. So we just have to (laughs) plug this for a second. I really want to get Delaney on the podcast to talk about her inspiration behind starting this. Oh, yeah. She started an Instagram page called (laughs) whales blow (laughs) and it's basically bad whale watch reviews. And it is so funny. Like some, and and it it does go to show like, (laughs) We have to tell people why there are regulations. We, I think a lot of people do at the beginning of the tour kind of say like what the regulations are, why we have like, we have to stay a certain distance from them, but it's important to let them know mm-hmm. why. And we're doing this for the animals um, because the reviews are so, they're like, well, the regulations said that we couldn't get more than 400 feet so we, or meters. So we like, didn't see anything. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, guy, yeah. <laughs> like, 
these are a highly endangered population yeah. of animals. Mm-hmm. You know, that's where the it's responsibility just, falls on yeah. us a little bit of like, I mean, obviously people mm-hmm. need to, mm-hmm. to try to be understanding. There are just some people, there are some customers that are just unreasonable and that just is what it is. But like, you know, I think that's where <laughs> yeah. we, can, we can play up science and be like, hey, these are like the regulations that have been enforced and this is, this is why they were mm-hmm. enforced and guess how we got here and then explain the studies to people because you know, I think a lot of people, at least, and oh, I'm probably yeah. biased because I've lived in states like Texas, Florida, Arizona, Ohio, where it's like more conservative. Um, but people are, mm-hmm. are, there's an aversion to science. You can use that as an opportunity to be like, hey, this is how we figured out what the best option is. This is mm-hmm. what we're going to do. This is why it's important. Science is cool. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. 100%. And I think it comes down to um, we all love our own personal space yeah, and our own little bubble. They do. And they like it too. <laughs> I, I hope they're thriving out there right now. I hope they're chilling. They're probably like, what is going on? I, know. I can talk to my friends. Maybe there's like so much I less know, yeah. traffic that they can like communicate <laughs> yeah. more. Who knows? Like uh, we're not out there. I don't know. Yeah. I know. Yes. I, I hope so. Um, yeah. That, I hope so as well. But it's I miss the whales selfishly. I did see... I took my dog Me for too. a walk and we saw the um, Pacific Grove yesterday, which was really nice. <gasps> oh my gosh, yeah. that's so cool. Oh, I love Pacific Grove. Oh, I love, I love that whole area. And right now, um, totally off topic, um, but there's a lot of, oh my uh, God. I think they're harbor seals giving birth right now on in the Pacific Grove. There's like a main beach over there that they're giving birth in and I keep seeing photos of them and they're so cute and it's. I actually saw someone um, posted, I, I think I'm part of like a Facebook group page or some something like that about um, Pacific Grove. And someone posted these beautiful photos of this seal, like by like step by step of um, images of like before it gave birth and then images oh of my literally God. the seal's oh. head coming out. And you can oh my see God. the seal's eyes <laughs> looking at the camera. Oh my God. It was it's like, what is going the on here? There's thing. a lot of light out here. It was the cutest thing. And then, of course, there was pictures, like, afterwards. And then you see, like, the seagulls coming <laughs> down trying to eat, like, the placenta like that. But it was just so cool. And it's so it's so awesome to see, um, especially in the Monterey Pacific Grove area, about, like, the beaches are just so clean. And, you know, nobody's there right now. And it's – it's selfishly, I want to go back. But at the same time, it's yeah. – yeah, the the I earth is taken a breath. Yeah, sure. I definitely like. I'm so yeah. eager to get back back out on the water too. It's like it's therapeutic oh, yeah. for me, and I I could oh, use girl, a little therapy yeah. oh, right yeah. now. But um, <laughs> uh-huh. um, so before we wrap up, we're like almost at the, the like 45 minutes probably so far. But um, before we yeah. do wrap things up, I would like to have you. Kind of give our listeners, if you don't mind, just like a little bit of background about the Southern resident population, some of the issues they face, and some of the complex solutions. Um, Just like a really quick sort of like whole summary of your podcast and your mission. Um, Cool. So um, there are a variety of types of killer whales. So orca whales are like, you know, the species, but within the species, there are something called ecotypes. And essentially what that means is that there are distinctions between different groups that are based on um, both genetics and culture. So we see them, they eat different food, they appear differently, they have different prey preferences, foraging techniques, dialects, behaviors, and occur in different social groups. So 
the group that I focus on, there, there are a total of 10 ecotypes right now that are currently um, scientifically like recognized. And so um, there's five mm-hmm. in each hemisphere. And um, so in the Northern hemisphere, we have resident killer whales. And within the, the umbrella of resident killer whales, we have two groups of resident killer whales. So these guys, um, they're, they're fish eaters and we have the Northern and Southern. These guys occur mostly on the uh, Western mm-hmm. coast ranging up from Alaska all the way down to here. We have seen the Southern resident killer whales in Monterey. We saw them once last year, um, mm-hmm. not me personally, but people. Um, mm-hmm. And so these guys typically are going to, re- they have smaller home ranges that are around fish populations. Um, and these guys hang mm-hmm. out in larger groups. So it's going to be like probably like 15 to 25 animals. Um, but they are matriarchal. So it's like the, the offspring will hang out with their moms for their entire life. And so um, we often see multiple generations yeah. of whales together. So you'll see grandma, mm-hmm. mom and babies. And it's like the females that make the choices, like they're the ones in charge. Um, but these guys, you know, mm-hmm. they work together. They they are uh, cooperative feeders. They like socially exist in a cooperative manner. And that's something that I bring up on my podcast all the time. Like, you know, I always ask people, what can we learn from the whales? And that's pretty much consistently what everybody says. Um, but, you know, they do differ from from the other orcas because, you know, the, the transient killer whales, those guys... They, which they're all, they're known as bigs now because we, we previously thought that they bounced around in a lot of areas and they do, but mm-hmm. we now see that they camp out in certain areas. And Michael Biggs, the scientist who discovered that, um, is the guy who, who we named that after. And then yeah. there's the offshore ones. These are just the ones that we're going to see on like the West coast. Primarily those guys are rarely encountered. And we think that they eat like sharks and rays just because there's like a lot of wear down on their teeth, but they've been seen in groups of like 50. But going back to the southern resident mm-hmm. killer whales, so seeing that they're different than these other populations, that they 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 hang out in such um, a smaller range compared to the other ecotypes of whales, it is you know their their prey availability mm-hmm. is something that's crucial. So right now, the southern resident killer whales are facing three really big issues. Um, they lack prey. There's toxins in the water. Those toxins, um, and this is something mm-hmm. that that the other animals are encountering as well. Um, it, the toxins are consumed by their prey. They then consume the prey. We find it in their blubber. Um, so the mm-hmm. whales are consuming it and we think mm-hmm. that that it has an impact on reproduction. So that ultimately is like negatively mm-hmm. impacting their health. So that's why it's important to be mindful about the products that, that you buy, what goes down the drain, etc. So toxins are an issue. Um, and so we're, you know, we're trying to fight this like at an individual level, mm-hmm. but also, you know, Washington's really good about keeping things clean. Um, the southern resident killer whales are mostly mm-hmm. found in Washington. They do go up to like BC and Canada and like they have come down here before. What we're seeing is that these animals have not been in their historic rangeland. So typically they are mm-hmm. found off of Lime Kiln, which is on San Juan Island, because there's a salmon run that goes through here. This is what these guys eat, their specialist feeders. Mm-hmm. There are four dams. There's a lot of dams that we need to take down. We are focusing on the four lower Snake River dams that are in Washington. That is something that we can do something about mm. now. Like there's so many issues, okay. um, but that's something that we can do. And that ultimately the they eat Chinook salmon. The Chinook salmon are also endangered. So these dams were put in place um, like half a century ago. We've been trying to get them down for like the last 20 years. They do violate the Marine Mammal Protection mm-hmm. Act, the Endangered Species Act, and then um, I believe the Stephen and Magnuson Act. Now, I have to go back and do a little bit more research and confirm that as well. 
Um, but these dams really do mm-hmm. not need to be in place. They mm-hmm. don't serve their intended purpose and they are ultimately blocking the salmon from going up and down um, where they need to go. Um, and I'll, I'll, that's the main issue oh, okay. that I focus on. But there, the other third issue is boat traffic. Because like I said earlier, the whales, they do mm-hmm. communicate using acoustics. So they eco-locate, meaning that they send basically a sonar off of their brain, like onto an object. And that's how they can, can sense their surroundings. So it's really important that boats aren't loud because then they can't do this. They can't find their food. They can't find their babies, whatever. Like, so... Mm-hmm. I, the you know the prey or the um the boat traffic and the pollutants are something that individuals can literally make changes within their own personal lives but um to do the the lack of prey the biggest mm-hmm. thing that's going to help that right now is is removing those lower um snake river dams like there are so many studies mm-hmm. that support this and they need to go down. The reason that they're not going down is because there's a lot of government corruption. Um, so basically what all the people in this field are urging people to do is to call Jay Inslee and tell him how you feel. Be like, and you can do this from any state. People do it from the UK. Like call him and say, Hey, these, these dams need to go down. Like you're a, oh, wow. you know, like you, you're part, somebody that's, you know, from the United States, this is a, a like a national issue, but it's even an international issue because mm-hmm. that we, there's, there's issues with Canada as well. And so right wow. now, kind of what my focus is, yeah. is how are we going to get these down? And based on the conversations that I've had with people, I think our first thing that we need to do is continue to raise awareness about these issues. Um, and then that way we can continue mm-hmm. to apply government pressure. Like the documentary Blackfish was absolutely successful in um like pretty much getting SeaWorld and a lot of other places yeah. shut down at least within the united states because oh, yeah. of that pressure so mm-hmm. you know i've talked with filmmakers mm-hmm. and i've talked you know um with scientists and economists and like so many different people in this field and like everybody's on the same page of like we need to raise awareness we need activism we need science so everybody's got to be on the same page of like what is the science clearly yeah. what needs to happen the one thing that I do see that I, you know, I like to bring this up just mm-hmm. because I just want to encourage it is oftentimes people will take stakes in one of those three main issues and then they will fight each other about those. We don't have time. Mm. That is not productive. Channel that energy huh. into whatever cause you are most passionate about because everything is impacting these whales. So instead of fighting with each other, I really urge people to <laughs> like make sure that if you're passionate about a certain issue, you run with it, you go with it. Like we do not have time. And, you know, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of negativity. And I, I really, I, you know, I've talked to people in this field, I've talked to captains, naturalists, whatever. And some people are like, the dams are not going to go down. And I honestly, I've stopped having conversations with those people because there are people that believe that the dams will go down and like that are willing to put an effort in. If you don't believe it, it's not going to happen. You've got to, you've got to believe it and you've got to put that effort forward. Like, this is not going to be easy. Yeah. This is not going to be fast. People have been working on this for 20 years, but we're stronger together. So the more people that we get on board, the more likely it is that these dams will be removed. But like, mm-hmm. you've got to just like, it's hard. We're going to run into challenges, but like you, it's, it's worth it. And every little seed that's planted, that is still a seed. It doesn't matter how big or how small. I just, I, I don't underestimate the the impact that one person can have on things. You know, at the end of the day, like, Donald Trump is is technically yeah. still a person, you know, and like he like he's an impactful mm. person, whether his impact be negative or positive. Like there's so many leaders. I think that we oftentimes will kind of right. dissociate ourselves from those people because we're like, hey, they're in a different box because 
they do all these cool mm-hmm. things. Okay. Mm-hmm. They're not robots. They're still people. So I think we just keep that in mind because like, even if, if what you're doing is just being mindful of your yeah. stuff, like that's going down the drain, being ocean friendly, that's still a thing that is still an impact. Yeah. You, no matter what your choice is, you're having an impact. Yeah. You get to choose if it's negative or positive. So I just urge people to, yeah, make the, make the right well, choice. 100%. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? To follow up with that just really quick. Okay. Um, my husband and I just watched the mm-hmm. Jane Goodall documentary, the newer one that just came out. And I know it's not ocean related, but just seeing mm-hmm. the way if you guys haven't watched it yet, you have I haven't. I want to check it out. So motivating. It's so motivating and it just the way she carried herself. Um, basically I'll just kind of briefly say this there was this one um incident where she saw the way that these chimpanzees mm-hmm. were t- being taken care of and it was a really bad environment and they just in general they point blank they were not being taken care of properly and um they were starving so instead of attacking these people that were causing it she did her best and she uh, she actually got support from an oil company and helped pay and sponsor for them to build a sanctuary. And people gave her backlash for it because they're like, why would you let mm. an oil company contribute? It's like, yeah, why I fight with these people that are trying to make a change? And so when you mentioned that, that kind of popped in my head. You know, you're not going to get anywhere if you're going to be so negative. And, and um, I just love the way that she handled it to where she basically kills mm. you with kindness. And I loved it. <laughs> And I truly believe it because um, there's so, I mean, I could go into it on and on about other things, but um, at the end of the day, I just believe that if you try to spread awareness and make your voice be heard, there's a way to do it if you really want people to listen. And I believe it the same way is that those people out there that are saying they're not going to, they're not going to um Uh, bring down the dams and whatnot then let's try to just let our voices being heard communicate with those people or other people out there that can also make a difference and hey if they're wrong they're wrong that's good for us and it's good for the southern residents but at the same time it's like you just can't be so concerned with so many negative people you just have to try to be super positive yeah, i agree and, and i think you got to like uh, i agree with people. everything that you just said like if you stick on your path and that's like one of the things that i found to be helpful like mm-hmm. there's people in this community that aren't supportive and like i have even like taken them off of my social media mm-hmm. because just seeing that yeah. it's a reminder and it's like not i'm just like no i'm going to 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 be mindful of what i'm consuming because I'm here with these people, but also, you know, what you bring up with Jane Goodall yeah. and um, her allowing the the oil companies to um, to contribute. I think that that's great. It's hard because people don't want to forgive, but you know, we need to understand that people make mistakes, and like, you know, yeah. we should be more mm-hmm. forgiving and more willing to mm-hmm. show compassion to those that are willing to acknowledge yeah. their mistakes because that's huge. And here's the thing: is if we meet them yeah. with compassion and mm-hmm. and we have open yeah. arms and we're like, Hey, we see that you fucked up, like, and you're trying to fix it. Um, other companies may like want to do the same thing. They're like, Oh, it's, it's easier for us to, to admit that we made a mistake because we see that it's mm-hmm. widely accepted in the community. And so I think that that's something mm-hmm. that's really important too. But also right. when you make your decisions, I feel like that's one of those times where ego gets in the way 
what Jane Goodall did right there is she she stuck to her values. She stuck to her end mm-hmm. goal of like we the, it's the chimpanzees that are important. It doesn't matter who gave exactly. us the money. It doesn't matter how this yeah. gets done. It matters that it gets done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And it's it just comes down to how do you expect to bring more people on board with what your mission is and what you're passionate about if you're even if it's these people like she did with this oil company, yeah, you might not like what they do, but they're the ones reaching out saying, Hey, we're going to support you. Let's make a difference. So you can't expect to um, make a difference if you're not willing to work with those people that are actually trying. So it it was a really great message. I think it's important that you share it. And even if it's not ocean related, there's (laughs) there's generalists that listen to your podcast. Oh yeah. It's so important Mm -hmm. that we widen our scope too and see, other people's successes and then model our behaviors and our actions off of those successes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I think this has been such an amazing yeah. conversation. I really love awesome. this episode. Um, yeah. This yeah. was an awesome episode. Thank you so much, Erica, for coming on our podcast. It was honestly, it was really great to just get to know you and just to chat about you know what your mission is and your podcast and hopefully we can get you on soon and we can get some updates just with with yes, you please. oh and hopefully we can get oh my gosh I know we'll have to meet up in Monterey and ends. I would love to <laughs> just because I feel like we are so in sync with um values I don't know just like yeah. what we are trying to do yeah that I would love to somehow figure out something we could collaborate yes. on and I don't know what form that'll take, but I think that yeah. would be really cool. Yeah. I feel like we'd be so. a good I mean, group of girls a positive to attitude. And I love that you, you come from, yeah. from different places too. Like, you know, somebody's a naturalist, somebody's a preschool teacher. Like, I love it. I'm here for it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. definitely. <laughs> Yay. This has been so fun. Yay. I'm so excited. And um, let our yeah. listeners know where they can find you. And if there's anything that, at yeah, all that you want to um, plug, you can find me on literally all of the major podcast platforms. Um, so just type in breaching extinction. Also, I have a website. You can go to www.breachingextinction.com. Um, I also have an Instagram and a Facebook page. Um, so you can check those out. There's mm-hmm. a Twitter. No one uses it. So it's fine. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I'm just, and there's a, a lot I of know, the people I that I've worked with. I, I put them on those platforms so you can find their work too, which is really important. Um, but yeah. And since we're posting this on my platform mm-hmm. also, where can people find you yeah. guys? So our podcast is the Ocean Lovers Podcast on all streaming services. It's also on Instagram as Ocean Lovers Podcast. We just made a Facebook page. Um, we haven't done much we on there yet, it, yep. but it's in the process. And my my Instagram <laughs> is Planet Whale. And then mine is just B underscore seven, which um, once we create our post for this Every, every time we release an episode, we do post a picture or something saying that the episode is out and we do make sure to tag all of cool, our cool. Instagrams and social medias, especially our guests. So we'll be sure to yes. do that too. Thank you so much, yes. Erica. Yes. It's nice so talk nice to talk to you. Thank you post you, when you're in town and all that stuff. Yes. But yeah, definitely stay in touch. I'm open to collaborating on things and whatnot. All okay. Right. Awesome. I'm so excited. Oh, of course. Thanks. Perfect. Too, Have a good rest of your Thank day. You.